0: Everybody's for amnesty except for Ted Cruz. Everybody's for amnesty except for Ted Cruz. It's a falseness. And that's an auth- it's a falseness. And that's an authenticity problem that everybody he knows is not as perfect as him because we're all for amnesty. I was for legalization. I think frankly, if you have border security, you can have legalization. So was Ted, but now he says it wasn't so. That's not true. Go ahead, sir.
1: This is Monica Perez with post-debate coverage live on WSB Atlanta, KRMG Tulsa, WHIO in Dayton, Ohio, and on News 96.5 WDBO in Orlando. Now, was a clip from the debate tonight, the GOP debate. That was Rand Paul talking about amnesty and some of the differences he has with the other people on stage. I am a libertarian. I... uh, was excited to see Rand Paul on the stage, but I can talk about everybody. I'm going to talk about everybody, but this is a good opportunity to talk about that very nuanced issue uh, on which real libertarians do disagree. Some people, a lot of libertarians think there should be open borders, but to me, that's not uh, necessarily a libertarian concept. I'm just going to give you in a nutshell, the libertarian concept and then I'm going to go to your calls. You can call 800-972-8255 or 404-872-0750. The thing with immigration is we as libertarians recognize the right to work and travel. If I want to hire somebody to clean my house and live in my basement and she doesn't use your roads, there, there really is no um, right that she's violating of anybody else's. But once you start allowing people to vote away your rights, if you have a big population of people who don't understand English even and don't understand the American system, these are people you have not curated, you haven't selected them, they have not qualified to come over. And every 10 years, you give 10 million people the right to vote. They could have the impact if they come from, not just mexico but canada they are not going to understand the second amendment they don't understand property rights the way we do they have socialist histories they have socialist cultures they come from so if you give these people the right to vote it can really have an impact on our liberties So tying that right to citizenship, the right to vote around the right to work and travel to me is where all the problems arise. Also, of course, the welfare state and all the things that let other people use stuff you paid for. That's unjust, whether it's immigrants or the guy from the next town over. I mean, it's it's never right for them to take your money to pay for somebody else's kids' school, even. I mean, that's how radical libertarian I am. But I want to hear uh, your viewpoints. I'm going to Richard on I-44, so I'm glad I, you can still hear me. Hi, Richard. You're on with Monica.
2: Well, I can hear you because I'm on my phone rather than on the radio, but that's fine. Oh, perfect. Uh, first off, I want to talk about the previous caller who talked about Hillary and just simply say that, as Secretary of State, she broke the law in a way that makes all of Watergate look like a schoolboy putting his chewing gum underneath the bottom of his own desk. Okay, so she... Richard, I will
1: agree with you, and but I have to add one thing, because I just did my last show on EmailGate, which you can listen to the podcast on com. but what I was saying was, that might be true, but but what she did on EmailGate if you go back and look at the things that credible people have said, the Clintons have done, have accused them of. I mean, v- brutal, vicious, like crimes against people and corruption. I mean, uh, one woman has a, a very detailed accusation of rape against Clinton. He was raised uh, uh, mentioned in a suit with a bunch of uh, pedophiles last with underage sex slaves last year. You know what I'm saying? Like, email gate is just the isn't even the worst thing that they've done.
2: Certainly, but on to the you know issue at hand. And I'm a libertarian, lowercase L libertarian, <laughs> Fair and enough. a Republican uh, activist involved for over thirty years. In fact, I didn't hear the debate because I was speaking, uh, and I'm heading home from there. You know, when it comes to immigration and it comes to what the economy is, people don't seem to understand. That our economy consists of exchanges, money for stuff and stuff for money. Prosperity comes from an increased number of those exchanges or size of the exchanges. Uh, if, if Jose comes here legally and sells his money for stuff or services, everybody says, Oh, that's great. But if the same Jose comes here legally and sells his stuff or services for money somehow we think that's wrong no prosperity comes from an increased number of those voluntary exchanges of selling money for stuff and selling stuff for money are
1: you familiar with say's law s-a-y-s say's law
2: not on that. No, I, I'm not familiar you. with that term.
1: It's from the 19th century. It, Keynes basically replaced him, but he was right. He said that wealth comes from production. If you produce to any human being, whatever, any labor can be employed, just think of something to do, produce something, and that will create wealth, growth, prosperity. It's the only way. Keynes said you could do it with debt, borrowing forward, which makes no sense. But, yeah, so well, get, uh, get to your you know, point. But,
2: but- but production, you know, I could go out in my backyard and produce a bunch of stuff. If I never sell it, it doesn't do anything. No, you
1: have like to sell that. it, yeah. It demands. Right. So that, it's, that, the sales law that is editing. that that production creates its own demand. If you have an avocado tree and have more avocados than you can eat, you will sell your avocados and demand oranges. Absolutely. Anyway, so wrap up your point about the two Jose's.
2: Well, we 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 need to realize that when Jose comes here, and legally— and doesn't engage in social welfare, as Ron Paul said, if there wasn't for social welfare, illegal immigration wouldn't be an issue. And realize that that immigration is very, very good. I'm honestly undecided on the presidential race uh, among the Republicans, because none of them are perfect. And some of the things I like, for instance, about Rand, and I, I like different things about Ted, frankly, on Marco Rubio, part of what I like about him is the fact that he appreciates immigration, I think, more than others. My you grandparents know, yeah, came to the Richard, country I have league. to say
1: that as far as the immigration argument, I, I, as a capital L libertarian, I've always been 100% for the unmitigated uh, or whatever right to uh, work and travel. And then I started getting frustrated because libertarians must consider the fact that immigration patterns are used deliberately. It's called coercive engineered migration to change the behavior of democratic societies. That's a problem. And uh, the welfare thing's the problem. It's just manipulated for uh, political purposes. And that annoys me. But the stuff that... I hear about stealing jobs and all that kind of stuff. I Even if there were a problem with that, I don't think it's the Mexicans that are coming over illegally. I lived in Southern California for a while. There were entire towns where all the billboards, all the McDonald's, everything were in Chinese, and they were really upscale places. I mean, these are people who are not swimming over the border, but they are the ones whose place in college my kids will have to compete against or the jobs that my kids will have to compete for after college so it is it's uh it is a complicated issue because we do not live in a free society if we lived in a free society the the all the wages would be bid down to clearing every all labor would be employed uh maybe less capital would be employed but we would have so much more wealth and prosperity prices would plummet it would be wonderful, but we don't have a free society, and I do feel like the immigration issue does, uh, we are manipulated by that, and that bums me out. I'm going to Jeff in Atlanta. Hi, Jeff. You're on with Monica.
3: Hey, how are you, ma'am?
1: Good. How are you doing? I'm
3: good. Listen, when, uh, when I was younger, I run uh, collegiate uh, tracks from Michigan State University, and I was a very fast half-miler and a one-miler, but so I was four of the two-mile. But as a team effort, I would run the 2 mile. And the point was never for me to win. It was for me to lead. So out of eight laps on the sixth lap, the point was for me to drop out. The first six laps it was for me to go out and be what we call a rabbit to attract all the other attention of the other good runners so that they would then burn themselves out and drop back.
1: Oh, nice. So
3: the point was never for me to win. Now, when I see Donald Trump, I see the same strategy that I, used to, that I, that I was to use for our team. I see Donald Trump going out there saying things that are not politically correct that American people do have on their mind, but if Ted Cruz were to say it or Jeb Bush were to say it or Marco Rubio would say it, the media would attack them. But Donald Trump, being who he is and charismatic and his story of being a self-made billionaire, he can say these things and get it out there that separates the Democrats and the Republicans away from each other, the Republicans away from each other. If a normal... Republican were to say that the media would attack them. And
1: so, what's Trump, the end game? He's, is he taking one for the team?
3: I think they're working together as a team. If you notice, Rubio, Cruz, and Trump, they don't really attack each other too much. And really, the only thing they're getting on Cruz is, well, your citizenship. In the general election, if Cruz is our, our nominee for the Republican Party, they're going to throw that out there. Oh, the that's a, tried at some point,
1: Jeff. Yeah, that is a huge, real issue in my opinion. The guy has a Canadian birth certificate, and he had right. dual citizenship last year. That's exactly what we do not want. Canada is still a like a British right. Commonwealth, right? So by Trump bringing
3: that up, he beat the, he beat the Democrats
1: to it. He just went ahead and did it. Yeah, he's and vetting I, the issue. Yes,
3: they're going to go ahead and squash it and get it. And, and if it's an issue. Then he will not be our candidate, and if it doesn't, nothing comes of it. Well, then he's in the clear. So,
1: who's the guy? Who's the candidate?
3: I think it's Rubio or Cruz. I don't think it's ever, it's never, it's never, I don't think it's Trump at all. I think Trump is leading the way, bringing up the things that need to be talked about that separate the
1: Republicans from the Democrats. Why is Jeb still in the race?
3: Well, and I tell you, Rubio attacks Jeb, Cruz attacks Jeb, and Trump attacks Jeb. And even emasculate it. I mean, yeah. I don't think he is not part of them. I think them three are working together as a bigger picture of a team. And Jeb Bush is not part of that with them.
1: I uh, definitely I, get the sense that they're working together, that it's some uh, part of... Uh, It seems to me orchestrated, let's say. I don't know beyond that. It does seem orchestrated. But I feel like maybe Jeb's the outsider because miraculously, and I know it's a crazy long shot, but I don't even know why he's still in it. I feel like he's the outsider remaining untouched, and that's part of the plan, too, and that he might just make that big comeback.
3: Right. And and if you notice, his ratings have never been very high at all. But Trump, Cruz, and Rubio all attack him every chance they get.
1: Yeah, and of course— PR, you know, no PR is bad PR. So anytime you get attention, I saw Rubio ad that started uh, with a uh, picture of a Jeb Bush campaign sign. I was like, who's start? You know, who pivots to their competition? That makes no sense. But that really Jeff goes down the rabbit hole because you're seeing kind of uh, uh, conspiracies. They're really conspiracies, and I and I have to say. I think it's naive to think that there isn't some coordination. You can even see it sometimes in the debates. Like, there was one where Anderson Cooper saw, uh, knew what this guy was going to say. He had all these facts about somebody's totally random answers. Like, uh, you obviously coordinated this. Anyway, this is Monica Perez with post-debate coverage live on WSB Atlanta, KRMG Tulsa, WHIO in Dayton, Ohio, and on News 96.5 WDBO in Orlando. Talking about tonight's GOP debate, I want to hear what you have to say about Any of the candidates, any of the issues, 800-972-8255, 404-872-0750. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. And next, uh, I want to get to lots of these calls, so team up.
2: Coverage of the Republican debate, live from Iowa, sponsored by Renter's Warehouse, on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.
1: debate coverage live on WSB Atlanta, KRMG, Tulsa, WHIO in Dayton, Ohio, and on News 96.5 WDBO in Orlando. Taking calls till 2 at 800-972-8255-404-872-0750. Want to know your impressions of the debate. Who do you like? Did you miss Trump? Uh, did you... Uh, I thought Jeb was the big winner myself. I, I'm not a fan. I, I am a fan of Rand Paul, but I thought Jeb really changed his trajectory tonight. Let's see if I'm proven correctly, correct as the next uh, couple of weeks go by. I'm going to Mark in Livonia. Hi, Mark. You're on with Monica.
4: Are you
5: talking to me?
1: I'm talking to you, Mark. You're on the okay. air. How you doing? Look, I, I like Donald
5: Trump because he, he's been... He says the... What I've been thinking for years, I mean, he it, it, it didn't put any words in my mouth.
1: About what exactly? Give me two specifics.
5: Well, I, I hate illegal immigration. Uh, 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 I mean, I've always hated it. And I've seen, you know, like framing carpenters. I had good friends that were making real good livings at framing carpenters in Atlanta when the housing boom. And then all these Mexicans and illegal aliens started coming in. And they were working their employees for five to seven dollars an hour below minimum wage, and coming in and bidding on uh, framing contracts, and, and undercutting uh, a legitimate American people by seven, eight thousand dollars on a you know uh, on a on a house. Yeah,
1: employee. I hear you. I get it, and I and I think that part of that is a really screwed up, overregulated labor market, business market that keeps Americans from even taking jobs below a certain level. I, I'm not arguing. I mean, illegal is illegal. That's not cool. But you. But I do wish, I think a free society would help that problem. Give me another one. One more thing.
5: All right. Well, I don't know. I've never heard anybody mention this, but I, I've always thought that uh, we had no business going into Iraq. And, and But, you know, I, yeah. I've never heard anybody bring up the, you know, when uh, we went into Iraq under the guidance of george w bush they uh the congress passed that that uh deal where you know they gave him carte blanche and he could go out and make all these trade deals so when they started the war in iraq he was down in south america and you know with that tafta deal making all these unfair trade deals and doing our job. So what Yeah, do
1: these fly? are all problems that we're still going to have. We have the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership, the Atlantic one. Congress just gave Obama and his successor Trade Promotion Authority, just like Bush had. So that's going to be an issue. You're talking about invading Iraq. We're going to invade Syria. I am 100% positive that's on the agenda. And I think they're going to get it done. I hate to think that. I'm 100% opposed to that. But I feel like any candidate who makes it through the hoops that the establishment puts up, and I know Trump looks like he's outside that establishment, but and he has made criticism of the foreign policy before, and I always liked that. It sounded like he was a guy who did not start want to start World War III, but his rhetoric started to change about that with the Syrian immigration fears, and I think that Syrian migration thing is a bit of a setup, that they're trying to scare us. They actually created the problem by blowing up Syria every day, And they want to scare us and say, look, we've got this problem. We need to invade Syria. So I see there's a subtlety in the kind of narratives these guys are spewing out. And I I don't think there's as much of a difference as it looks like. But I appreciate it. Thank you so much for uh, that insight. This is Monica Perez. And I am live till 2 with post-debate coverage on WSB in Atlanta, KRMG in Tulsa, WHIO in Dayton, Ohio. And on News 96.5 WDBO in Orlando. You can call 800-972-8255 or 404-872-0750 or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show.
0: question is, does your style sometimes get in the way of your ability to get things done, sir? Well, Chris, you you are exactly right that that, that I am not the candidate uh, of career politicians in Washington. (laughs) And I'll tell you the endorsements that I am proud of are the over 200,000 volunteers across this country who have signed up to volunteer for our campaign. The endorsements that I am proud of are leading conservatives like Iowa's own Congressman Steve King, who is a national co-chairman of my campaign. The endorsements that I'm proud of are conservative leaders like Dr. James Dobson, and over 700,000 contributions nationwide. People go into to our website, TedCruz.org. This is a grassroots campaign, and you know, when I ran for Senate in Texas, I told the people of Texas that I'm not going there to go along to get along. Washington is broken, and the people I have been accountable to every single day in the Senate are the 27 million Texans who I represent, and I made a promise to them that I make to you today, which is if I am elected, Every single day I will do two things, tell the truth and do what I said I would do.
1: Was that ding-ding like the Pinocchio alert, (laughs) he's going to tell the truth? That was Ted Cruz in tonight's GOP debate. And this is Monica Perez with post-debate coverage live till 2 on WSB Atlanta, KRMG Tulsa, WHIO in Dayton, Ohio, and on News 96.5 WDBO in Orlando. Taking your calls, I've got an 800 number, 800-972-8255 and 404-872-0750. But that uh, clip from Cruz, I wanted you to hear it because they were challenging him because he didn't get any mainstream endorsements. And it was such an obvious layup because this is so the year not to be establishment i mean it's it it might as well be like a fashion color like it's it's this year everybody's wearing blue trump is totally uh his whole claim to fame i don't think it's true i think he is establishment i grew up in new york i think he's very establishment he's completely an insider with these guys but his shtick is that he is not establishment And that's why when the National Review magazine did an entire issue called Against Trump, I thought, could you imagine if Ron Paul had an entire National Review issue dedicated to him and criticizing him? We would have a President Ron Paul right now. That is what would be going on right now. That was so obviously like some very simple reverse psychology. Same thing with Fox. The fact that Trump and Fox are at odds gives Trump credibility. Bernie Sanders, the most anti-establishment guy you could possibly have. The people are wild for him on the left. To me, this was a layup for Cruz. But the irony is he is a very shadowy insider establishment guy, in my opinion, based on not just what his wife did and does, but... That he basically covered for her. She was at the Council of Foreign Relations for five years and she worked on a document which she endorsed called Building a North American Community. I wrote about it on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. And it is about erasing borders between Canada, the U.S. and Mexico for goods and services, having interoperability between police forces and armies just uh, sharing information, it's just crazy. And it would be, I wouldn't hold it against him, except for he said, oh, there's nothing to see there, don't worry about it, she was only there for a little while. Now I'm nervous, because that TPP, that trade agreement, is going to be no good, and the president, uh, the Senate has abdicated its responsibility to uh, consent and advise on that treaty. They gave this fast-track authority to the next president and to Obama on that I think Ted Cruz should have warned us about what his wife was up to because I think that same stuff's in the TPP. So I'm not crazy about that guy. Uh, and and it was funny because in the end, uh, earlier in the day, I saw a an ad of some kind with Jeb in with a Council of Foreign Relations backdrop. And I thought, at least he admits it. That actually makes him better. I mean, maybe, maybe I, I care too much about that kind of thing, but... Anyway, I'm going to go to Lawrence in Lawrenceville. Hi, you're on with Monica.
6: Hey, Monica, how are you?
1: Good, how are you doing?
6: Good. Well, I, I, really, I really enjoy your show. It's Great, great, uh, different perspective. Uh, new inside thought on, on some of these candidates. And um, my question is, is I've, you know, I've been kind of um, poking around on social media with some other libertarians, some other anarcho-capitalists, And some of them, I know there's many flavors, but some of them don't even want to participate in voting because it's it's not, they're all in it together. They're never going to change anything. Too many people are at the trough up there in D.C. milking off that teat, and so now I'm thinking, well, you got to be engaged at some point in order to have some kind of change. So what is that median? What is that happy median? I
7: guess maybe. I Yeah,
1: I really, frustrated. I really understand that arguments because it legitimizes what is a, such a totally corrupt system. I even think that digital voting or electronic voting is Absolutely. just de facto corrupt. If I can't see my little scratch mark go into a shoebox and sit there and Watch that shoebox until somebody opens it and counts it and writes it down on a piece of paper. I am just offering up. (laughs) I said to a friend of mine, I feel like I'd be better off... Uh, making a wish on a dandelion (laughs) than casting a vote under those circumstances because it's faith in government. It's faith in the guy who's counting the votes on an electronic machine. However, I cannot resist the temptation to vote, but I always vote my conscience. So I register as a Republican so I can vote for Ron Paul, or Rand Paul, or whatever, but I would just as soon vote for the guy who cleans my carpet. He's a very honest guy, and I would write his name in. So I can't help but vote. I do understand that it legitimizes the system, and I don't think we're really going to change, but look at what Ron Paul and I think Rand Paul can do, is that they plant the seeds of these ideas when they're in these positions of influence and power, that those ideas will be ready, they will be germinating for when the inevitable crisis comes, and we need to rebuild society, we need those guys' voices and presence.
6: So it seems more important, then, that my next point was going to be that it seems more important to have the right people in the, in the state or the lo- more local I think so.
1: elections. That I yeah. do think counts. I really do. I don't think anyone could get to the top like that without selling out. Or if you really look at the past, whatever, half century, JFK out, uh, Nixon, Watergate might have been a coup. They tried to kill Ford. His VP was Nelson Rockefeller. Reagan, they tried to kill him, and uh, I'm not saying George H.W. Bush was in on it, but he had been the director of the CIA, and I'm sure he would have been the establishment's choice over Reagan. I'm just saying, you, you even if the elections are okay, that you still have these people are in positions of da- of you know real personal danger if they're actually going to try to change things. I think is that too crazy well, to think?
6: <laughs> well, I, I appreciate your perspective, and i I hope uh, I hope you are. Uh, or more of a um, regular schedule in the future.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Lawrence. I uh, do try to bring a different perspective, but sometimes I maybe go too far down the rabbit hole, but I do see a pattern with the presidents. They really need to play ball. I'm going to Earl in Duluth. Hi, Earl. You're on with Monica.
4: Good morning, Monica. Good morning, America. Um, I, 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 like you, I I see um, an issue here that's overriding what the manipulators I call them wants us to do, this entire election to me is a distraction. Um, the candidates all seem to be rehashing the same mindless gook I've heard for years. And I keep getting the same results. And those results are my income is still being taxed. And before 1913, that was unconstitutional. And the Constitution's purpose was to control and constrain government. Well, if you have control of my income, how are you being constrained? I, yeah. can't, I can't affect you. I am now your slave.
1: Absolutely. 50%. Uh, and here's the funny thing, Earl. I have to interrupt you with this observation I had. My daughter broke my husband's radio. So she said, she. he said she had to pay for it, you know, to teach her a lesson. And he said every penny she earns, I let her, like, sweep and iron and stuff like that to make little money. Every penny she earns has to go to me. I said, no, no, you can't do it that way. She won't sweep her iron. You have to say half of everything she makes. And she takes half and she buys her candy. She's happy. It's all she cares about. Mm -hmm. And she gives you half. And I was like, oh, my gosh, the maximum tax rate is 50% for a reason. It gets you to maximize your effort. It's so much better than, like, chains and slavery. It is, but it's different. It's mental chains.
4: I've always said the best type of slave to have. Is a slave. that does not recognize he's a slave.
1: Yeah, he, he thinks will he's
4: himself to death.
1: To death. That's the thing. You do it. My husband, I said to him once, like, let's just step off the grid. Forget it. It's not worth Uh-oh. it. And he was like, No, I'm going to get there. I was like, That's okay, but <laughs> we can just stop. I had as much. I had as much more leisure time and more luxury, and had a better time when I was a waitress than right. than after I went to. Uh, I got a JD MBA from Stanford. I went to school until I was like 28, and I was really, truly had a better time, had more leisure, had a nicer little, neat little apartment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, And I, uh, we do it to ourselves.
4: It's called freedom. <laughs> but, but, but well, Another thing that's really interesting to me, for the last 10 years, I see kids every day, every people from all walks of life, and I keep asking them, college students, graduate students, professionals, and janitors, And I asked them, have you ever been taught anything about income tax in your entire education? And the only thing I can get is I was taught how to fill out a form.
1: That they'll teach you. That they will teach you
4: they don't know anything about 1913. They know nothing about the monster from the St. They know nothing about the Vanderbilt's and the and the
1: Yeah, that's funny. Fellas. The IRS, the FBI, the fed all created around the same time with that. Um, I think there's a, from freedom to fascism is a good documentary. I'm going to take one quick call, Bob and Gainesville. I didn't want you to hang on for one more break. You've got one minute. What do you have to say?
7: Uh, Monica, I listened to the debate tonight and it just really further confirmed my conclusions that, uh I'll just lie. I mean, except for Ben Carson, they, they seem to be afraid of having to defend their past positions or their past votes. And, and Carson seems like a good patriotic citizen, but it's obvious to anyone that he'd just be totally overwhelmed and manipulated. And yeah, totally
1: he'd be scared. open to the influence of others. Oh, yeah.
7: That, that, that dirty Washington political machine would just they'd be drooling to get control of that. I don't think it would take them two weeks, and he'd they, he, be totally co-opted by the experts we don't know this is what we have to do in foreign affairs.
1: And he, he says that.
7: Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, he, he acknowledged he doesn't know much about these things. And it's not that you don't, you don't need to know the name of all the, the leaders. You need to understand the way the whole thing operates. You need the big picture to be able to step back and understand it. And so the guys who can step back and understand it are in it for themselves. I mean, I was even very disappointed with Rand Paul and his closing concluding statement. You know, he apparently didn't want to take any position on anything, like most politicians. He just said that he'd be the only true fiscal conservative. Oh,
1: see, I like the fact that he talks about always brings it back to the debt, which I think a national debt of $19 trillion is absolute treason. It is selling this country out to the bankers The Ron Paul always talked about and the Fed. That was his big thing. And I always thought, why is that his big thing? But if you dig in real deep, you will find, I think, and I think Earl before you would think, that it always goes back to the money. That's where it started. The Fed was where this uh, was the beginning of the end for the freedom in this country. And you reminded me of uh, another beginning of the end, which was during the Fed era, was Woodrow Wilson was absolutely captivated by Colonel House. Look it up if you don't know about this guy. He completely mesmerized Wilson to the point where later Wilson said, "I destroyed this country at this guy's hands." Sorry. But, you know? Sorry doesn't cut it. This is Monica Perez with post-debate coverage live on WSB Atlanta, KRMG Tulsa, WHIO in Dayton, Ohio, and on News 96.5 WDBO in Orlando. Having a very stimulating and different, not what you hear every day on the mainstream media, conversation about the GOP debate. Really digging in, it seems like there aren't a lot of differences, and maybe there aren't. But when you dig into what they're saying, you do, you can unveil maybe the bigger picture plan. So I'm going to wrap it up after this. You can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show.
2: Coverage of the Republican debate, live from Iowa, sponsored by Renter's Warehouse, on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.
1: Monica Perez wrapping up our post-debate coverage live on WSV Atlanta, KRMG Tulsa, WHIO in Dayton, Ohio, and on News 965 WDBO in Orlando. We've been talking about the GOP debate tonight. Trump was not on stage, and it, it I thought it was gonna be a real snoozer, but it was still somewhat entertaining. I did find some of the uh, actual commentary interesting, more than the back and forth. And I thought Jeb was the big winner, which is, I'm not saying he was a big winner for me. I'm a libertarian. I liked Rand Paul. But I just felt like uh, his, I'm predicting that his uh, worm turns at this point and that his trajectory has changed. But I do have time for one more call. I'm going to go to Josh and Tulsa. Josh, you're on with Monica. You with me, hey. Josh?
6: Hey, yeah, I thought I knew myself. I will listening turn off my radio. Yeah, hey, yeah make it quick. Cool. Uh, I wanted to talk about,
2: actually, how I think what is splitting America apart is the choice between either liberal values and, cons- and liberal failed economics, like on the Democrat side and then on the Republican side, conservative values. And the push to be conservative and uh, conservative economics. But Josh, you like to choose between yes. what yeah, I think that happened because a lot of people I find out a lot of people yeah, there's people in the in the country that are evangelical and whatnot, but there's also people who aren't. So a lot of people think that you know, that the values from the conservatives are pushed on them a lot more. So but did when you I've,
1: do you understand the libertarian position?
2: Uh, actually, I'm just getting around to understanding it. I've been yeah.
1: like. Let me give it to you in a nutshell. The libertarian position, now, really, it's fundamentally uh, personal liberty and individual responsibility on all issues at all times. That's the real answer. But to put it in terms of the political framework, which uh, the great Harry Brown, a great libertarian, cautions us against, but I'll t- still give it to you it's fiscal conservatism and economic liberty, but also. Civil liberty, personal liberty, you cannot legislate social issues, especially on the federal level. And the idea of defense, self-defense, national defense must be truly defensive. It must hit the qualifications of a just war. You cannot initiate violence except for in defense against violence. That's the Libertarian View. You can hear more about that on my show On WSB on Saturday afternoons, you can check out my time and other stuff like that on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. We are uh, wrapping it up live post-debate coverage on WSB in Atlanta, KRMG in Tulsa, WHIO in Dayton, Ohio, and on News 96.5 WDBO in Orlando. And this conversation goes on all week. I'm always on Facebook. You can always catch me on Twitter. At Monica Perez Show. And uh, until the next post debate or this Saturday, this is Monica Perez.
2: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies.